Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. But that was my, you know, that was my foray, and that was how I started. Everything was like, I had so many. I wasn't like a prop comic, but I did a lot of shit that like involved. One of the bits I, I did that got sort of viral, not hugely viral, but back in the day, was a bit about going to a gay gym and turning gay again. I did the shirt flip, and then I'd pull out like a red thong strap. You have to wear it every day, like, going, going to the open mic, here we go. Yeah, so the worst is like, you know, you're in like Topeka, and you're at a Walmart looking for thongs for your show, and you're in your 30s, you're like, what's done with my life? Hot breath. What is goody, Hot Breath the Verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers. And after over 400 interviews on this show, we talk to comedians about how they got to where they were and where they are to help comedians upcoming do the same. And our guest today has gone on a whole path, diversity in his comedy, from doing not just stand-up but acting. He's done Broadway. He also does jujitsu. So he's one of these comedians that you can learn from that diversifies his skill sets beyond just, I want to be a comedian. So without further ado, Hot Brethren and Sister, and welcome to the show, Mr. <laughs> Bill Dawes, everyone. Give it up. Hey, hey, yay, yay for us. We're here. Thanks yes. for having me, Joel. Of course. Thanks for being here. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for the intro. It made me sound cool. You are cool, man. You've, you've, <laughs> you've done a lot. I think sometimes comedians, we do stand-up, and we feel like we can only do stand-up. So it's great to talk to someone who actually branches out beyond just, like, get on stage, write jokes, get on stage, hate yeah. myself, get on stage, write <laughs> jokes. Like, you look for a lot of other creative outlets. Well, it's funny, because I feel like my experience, because I started off as an actor, right? I went to mm -hmm. graduate school for acting. My experience is that comics are generally a little bit smarter than most people, and I think that comics kind of sell themselves short. Like, I think most comics can kind of do anything. Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of different revenues. When you're talented, let me put it this way. You could be a talented comic like Ali Wong and all of a sudden, you know, become a, a, an actress that could win an Emmy after never even acted before. Because I think this, the, the skills that you acquire from, from stand-up are just, they're so well-rounded. You know, there's, you got to be intellectual. You got to, like, problem-solve. You got to be on your feet with crowds when they're heckling you. You gotta be funny and charming on top of it, and most of all, you gotta be likable. So I think it's sort of, and as an actor, you just gotta go up there and just say shit that someone else wrote, which ultimately <laughs> is like, it's pretty easy if you just get your if you wrap your head around it. You know what I mean? I know a lot of comics historically have gone onto sets and they're like, I, I gotta I gotta fuck with the line. Let me change. But you all you gotta do is just sit there and relax and breathe and just say a line. As an actor, <laughs> it's really fucking easy. I hate to say it. I just did a show. This is gonna be a. Huh, Name drop. <laughs> Alaska Daily was a show with Hillary Swank, and she's won fucking two Oscars. And she's just, you know, she's pregnant. She had COVID. She's got a lot of shit in her mind. She's just like, where are my lines? And then she says her lines. Says her lines. I'm like, do you even really? I mean, she, she's great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. She's got a great face for camera, but like, you can literally not give a shit as an actor. And kill it. <laughs> well, how, how can comedians break into acting? Well, I mean, that's. I mean, I think that most. First of all, just all you gotta do is just get incredibly famous as a comic. That's all you Easy. gotta do. Okay. Then once you're incredibly famous as a comic, <laughs> I will say this: I started doing a. Um, I started doing like audition coaching for a lot of comics. Uh huh. 
because it was happening. I was discovering a lot of like New York comics that were going kind of big. They were uh, they'd get like rep by CA or ICM, one of the big guys, and they're like, okay, we're gonna make you a star, and they'd come to LA and they'd get an audition for like a sitcom or wherever it is, and they'd never auditioned before, so their agent or manager is like, you got to work with Ivana Chablik. I know it's $300 an hour hmm. for an audition, for an audition coaching. Do you understand how crazy that, you're paying $300 to some fat bitch to sit there and tell you the choices to make. <laughs> that I personal. mean, it's, yeah. it's, I hate, because I, I, these, I fucking hate these people. I hate uh -huh. the cult of like acting coaches and acting teachers. They're just so, there's one guy that was just like, Literally, like before the you start, don't give him eye contact. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, mm -hmm. dude? This is David Letterman, and like you can't wear perfumes. He said, eh, "Shut up." But I did it. It was two hundred fifty dollars. I went to this one guy, and I remember he gave me one choice for this for this audition for like Entourage, and it was like an okay choice, but I paid two hundred fifty dollars for a choice and I didn't get the part. It just made me realize like it's a fucking scam. They're mm. they're tricking these young kids off the bus from fucking Wichita, wherever it is. I'm going to make it big, mama. Give me the bus ticket. I'm out of here. And they show up and like, well, if you want to make it big, you got to work with these three multimillionaires who are going to fucking fleece you dry mm -hmm. for all your hardworking pay at goddamn Applebee's or Cheesecake Factory or if you're working at the Grove. And then you go up there and it, that will never book your role. I would love to hear a story of someone's like, you know what? I was down and out. I was living in my car, but I paid $300 to Ivana Chubbuck. <laughs> Yeah. audition and yeah. now i'm famous it's bullshit so i started like just um coaching comics mm -hmm. because it's mostly just you know just comfortable talking saying saying other people's lines and actually believing what you're saying that's all it fucking is so um and i and i booked some comics on series i mean emma willman's one of them she'd never auditioned oh, yeah, before she's great she's great and she you know i, I work with her a bunch so I, I and I, you know, it's like whatever. Just pay me whatever you can. Like we're we should be a community. We should be helping each yeah. other. I'm not gonna charge like I'm not even gonna charge a hundred dollars. Like hey, give me sixty, fifty bucks for an hour. It's fine. You know. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what this whole show and the community that especially boomed over the pandemic when none of us had stage time and we all just kind of went online and this the show turned into like an online community that's yeah. around the world now of just comics helping comics. So it's that's cool really to hear cool. people like you as well like paying it forward like that. Yeah, well, I mean, they still pay me. Don't get me That's wrong. What, no, I mean, paying it like you're giving them access yeah, yeah. to information that otherwise maybe. Well, I just get I just got so mad when because I feel like comics are very sensitive people. They're very vulnerable. The business is very unforgiving, and I think a lot of people will literally like just throw hundreds and hundreds of dollars away to this idea that this one person is going to be, you know, is going to make you a Hollywood star. And it's fuck. I mean, they used to do that back in the day with managers, where like. I think you're amazing. You're gonna be a star. Just pay me five thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. to they used to charge people. It's the biggest scam fucking ever. It's completely, it's completely immoral and illegal probably now. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't have a lot of. Uh, it's not like I don't have respect for acting. I do because they're great actors, and I like to think that I'm pretty good. But um, but I also know that there's a lot of people just punching the clock and punching out. And I feel with stand up, the difference is is that we're always striving. Even, I mean, I know comics in their 70s are like, ah, man, I got to work on this bit. Uh -huh. Oh, I, I got this pitch next week. I'm like, dude, you're 80 years old. You got a pitch? <laughs> yeah. But that's fucking amazing. You know what I mean? That's like, we're great. We're all, we live in this world of complete delusion that we're somehow going to change the world and we're somehow going to, you know, our comedy is going to make a difference. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I really mean that. But actors, I mean, I don't know. I feel like acting has changed, you know. I think it's kind of like, 
it's more about the 401k and the pension and the insurance and like making sure you can pay for your kids soccer gear and shit like that but you you could also say the same for comedy that now it's more about the crowd work clip how to go viral that's true it's not about like oh let me get as good as as possible at this and really yeah. kind of climb my way people see like nate bargatze selling out arenas now but yeah. they don't realize it was over 20 years in the making of course so they're like oh if i go viral i can sell out and then boom and it's all yeah. crowd work clips and things like that so comedy yeah. has really that is true that well. is true and and as much as i hate that i'm trying to get that crowd work <laughs> yeah you're getting we're all like we i'm like clip well, it. This, this one might go viral <laughs> yeah. no ah shit but now if someone like you or i goes viral we're like ready and we can do stand up 100 and we could back it up when they come see us that there is a headliner set behind this 30 second crowd work clip copy don't you think though i can't believe it was just a copy copy Ooh, that was I, very I'm actor such a fucking tv guy jesus christ <laughs> so uh <laughs> but don't you think like stand-up is kind of like a self-regulating industry in the sense that if you do that if you get the clip it gets like 20 million views and then it makes you a headliner and you go out there and you eat a dick yeah. don't you think it's kind of like well, we can't have you back anymore because you fucking suck. Yeah, like I, th yeah. I think like I'll give you an example of someone who I really like, like Trevor Wallace. You know, when he started, mm -hmm. um, he was kind of a lot of people wanted to talk shit about him because he was doing sketches. That motherfucker put in the work. He worked his ass off, and I'm sure when he started his first headline gigs, he may have been a little bit underprepared, but he actually was humble about it and he worked his butt off. And now he's he's one of the biggest comics in the fucking world right now. It's amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's really good, and he works. M pretty much clean and i'm fucking jealous of that guy fuck him no he's great he's <laughs> awesome he's awesome he's great is that are you bitter now is that what no 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 not really i actually i'm one, i think i'm one of the few comics who i don't have a i don't care how you get into it if you get like um if you become a massive headliner because of a, a tv film a video clip or whatever the fuck it is you made a porn. I don't care. Like, it, as long as you show up and you work hard mm -hmm. and you treat people okay, I don't care. Like, you, you can't get mad at someone. You know, I worked with, um, I still work with, like, Jeremy Piven. A lot of people were like, well, he's taking shortcuts to get where he, he's at. It's like, well, you can call a shortcut, but he's also been, like, a child actor since age seven. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Working on stage and working on comedy. He's done, like, 80 fucking TV shows and movies. Like, it's okay that he maybe because he still works his ass off as a comic. So I feel like, I guess my point is, I feel like most comics I know that are doing well are always working. Mm -hmm. I f if someone's phoning it in, and we've all been there where we phone it in. You go up in a show and you're like, you almost feel like you hit a tape recorder. And you're just like, you fucking hate yourself yeah. like for days. You're like, I can't believe I just fucking mm -hmm. didn't believe a word I said. I just went up there and just was an autopilot. So, but I feel like as an actor, you can really like make a career. <laughs> Of just being on autopilot, huh, I really do. Yeah, I really do. I fucking hate it, but you know, that's that's it. part of the job as a comedian is you perform no matter what. Like if it's five or five hundred people, you really have to perform as if it is like a sold out crowd to really give everyone the show. And I've noticed that's the difference between like a professional and like an amateur is someone who can turn it on regardless of the audience and really sure. give them a show. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think that's really true because I just did a. <laughs> My buddy Adam Hunter did a, he was like, look, man, I got a show for you. It's a headlining gig. It's at Coolio's Social Club. Love it. In Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was like, Coolio has a social club in Pennsylvania? <laughs> Apparently, he partnered with this this guy named Mike, who's like total, um, for lack of a better word, total white trash. And just, hey, my name's Mike. I think he'd spent time in prison. But him and Coolio were buddies, and they had a social club in 
So I was like, cool. And they were going to pay like real money for this headlining gig. It's in the middle of, it's outside Pittsburgh. And then like a week before, I was going there like, okay, we're changing the venue to Mary's Place. I'm like, what's Mary's Place? It's literally a pub uh-huh. in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Like a pub, like TVs. Yes. I, probably like cathode ray TVs, not even like flat screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Air in the game and shit. And you get there, and there's there's a, a big sign that says, you can totally smoke here, or like, smoking is legal. This is one of the few bars. So everyone, you go in there, everyone's fucking smoking menthol, and uh, they all have prison tats. And you you get there, and the the place where they have the stage and the venue, um, there's probably like 30 people. And I just remember thinking like, man, this is after fucking 16 years in this game. This is where I'm at, 17 years now. This is where I'm at. I'm uh, at Mary's place in Clearfield, going to perform for 30 inmates, you know, ex-inmates. And, uh, but I got to tell you, it was a great fucking show. And I think that, yeah, there are comics who, who, who judge the audience, judge themselves, judge their career, where they're at. I can't believe I'm doing this. And, and, I, and I've worked with some of these comics and they get really down on themselves. But the point is like, Everyone deserves to fucking laugh. Everyone deserves a break. So sounds so fucking stupid. Everyone deserves a break. You're doing I, great. Come on, Bill. But like, Come you, on. you gotta like, yeah, you gotta go out there. Like, there's no reason why you wouldn't. You don't want to give your best show at all times. There's mm-hmm. never a reason. I've, I I performed at the Hollywood Laugh Factory for two people. It was like a late show, and everyone had left. I don't know if I'd walked them or not, but yeah, <laughs> they heard just, you were gonna be there. There's just a couple just sitting there, and <laughs> I just sat there for 30 minutes and just did did my show for them. And it was, I loved it. It's mm-hmm. great. It doesn't really matter the size, you know? I yeah, and I, I think also it's some people will default to roasting the audience or berating the audience for if it's five people, they're like, oh, make fun of the audience. They're like, we came to laugh. <laughs> yeah, like, now we didn't come here to ruin your night. And then they take it out on the audience. It's, yeah. It's just, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I've, I've also completely changed my mind about uh, hecklers and taking it out of the audience. I just had too many experiences, too many experiences where, um, there was some weird energy or heckling energy, and I kind of went into it, and I went into them. Because, you know, comics love that. Yeah. Comics love it when other comics go after the audience. Mm-hmm. They're in the back, like, just jerking off. <laughs> so there's two. One moment was uh, I was doing a show in the Schamburg Improv, and it was like this one I was touring with Jamie Kennedy. It was packed. It was like, I don't know, 400 or 500 people. There was this attractive woman in the front row, and I said, I just made some comment about, like, she was single, an older woman, and I said something like, I don't know, I made some comment about, like, you're single because, you know, marriages don't work, or did you kill your husband because you couldn't stand, or something like that. Her husband had died the week before. Mm. This is her first time out. Her friends like, come on out. Bill's really funny. They were, like, friends of mine who... <laughs> so she came out like, I want to laugh for the first time. <laughs> I think it had been, like, three weeks. First of three weeks, and I just went on about a dead husband thing. And at one point I go, your husband didn't die, did he? And she was just like, oh my God. And I didn't know how to fucking, I was too green to figure out how to recover. I mean, I wouldn't even know what I would say now. So, cause I think she'd made some comment and I kind of went into her. And then there was another time, I was at the New York uh, Laugh Factory when that was there. And there were these group of people that were, they were talking, and I was fucking, ah, da, 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 da. Going back, and I would go to the other side of the room because it's one of those like long, wide rooms, and they kept talking. I was like, "Hey guys, guys just keep it up a little bit." Anyway, blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah. Like, what the fuck? Are you guys fucking retarded? It was like a field trip. <laughs> of, I swear my life. 
it was like a sponsor with like five like mentally handicapped <laughs> people that were there. And they'd been having like the time of their life. Yep. This is like their day out. Yep. You know, and uh, and they were lit. And for, I was furious because I'm like, nobody told me. You <laughs> Are guys, you blaming hey, on someone else? Well, there's a table. <laughs> there's a table of. I mean, they weren't just like <laughs> a little off. It wasn't like Harrison Ford. It uh -huh. was more like Ben Stiller and Tropic Thunder. It was like Lucky Jack. <laughs> it wasn't half. It was full. You uh -huh. know what I'm saying? So, um, cause, and I look, and then you look like you know your eyes like zoom in and you focus. You're like, I mean, they're just like you know, aut you know some I don't know, extreme autism. Some of them were just like I think there was a, a guy with Down syndrome there, and they'd gone out for like a fun little field trip. And I called them a bunch. I said. What are you retarded? And I felt so, I mean, that was one of the worst feelings I've ever had. So now I'm always just like, man, you never know. You never know who someone is, what their day is, what they're going through. So now when people heckle me, I just kind of, I just take it. I don't care. I, mm -hmm. I don't get mad at them because you never know. Sometimes people are just, you know, people should be always be afforded dignity and respect, even if they, you don't think they deserve it at the time. <laughs> did the, did the <laughs> crowd all know? That these people are mentally handicapped. I'm not gonna drop the R word. I'm just. Hey, hey guys, just that. so you know, uh, yeah, there's yeah. gonna be a group. There's gonna be a table in the front row. <laughs> no, I don't. Think oh yeah. <laughs> so they weren't all like. <gasps> they just. It all just no, got awkward. It was in my head, and I just saw yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I was only like ten minutes into my set, and I was like, perfect. Fucking shit. So there's just been moments like that where people and people sometimes heckling me like, "Say something funny, dude." Of course. And yeah, then after yeah. the show, they're, "Dude, you were my favorite." I'm like, "Why did you yell that?" Because yeah. I thought you were funny. I want you to say something funny again. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Do you realize, <laughs> do you realize how insecure we are? You can't do that. But you came up doing, like, the Urban Runes, right? Like, didn't you do? Because <laughs> in Atlanta, like, that's that's what I came Is up. Is that you came up with the Urban Runes? I came up White Boy Joel Oh, Atlanta. that's so funny, so, dude. Yeah, so that's that's why I think I'd heard that you did a lot of Urban Rooms. And one of your yeah. bits was that you would take your pants off at one time. <laughs> I think that was another thing you used to do. Holy fuck, dude. It's so funny you said that because I used to... um. I used to do this bit. It's funny because I saw Dave Chappelle do a similar bit, like one of his early, and I was like, I don't think I stole that. I think it was just a bit. I was always obsessed with superheroes. Uh, parallel thoughts are real. But the bit was basically um, this whole bit about superheroes. I forgot what it was, but there was one about Wonder Woman, and I said, uh, <laughs> and the joke was something like, look, if you're Wonder Woman and you're like evading, she had the invisible plane. I go, what, what's more conspicuous if you're like trying to, I forget what's more inconspicuous, like a little Cessna flying through the sky, or a woman with double D cups and star spangled hot pants in midair like this, and I ripped my pants off. I like flipped my shirt, like 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 you know, like flip like this, flip my shirt, give myself that like, and rip my pants off. I had like star spangled fucking hot pants, like a little steering wheel. That was my big closer. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so, and by the way, it would do well. Of course, yeah. When it didn't do well, it's one of the most humiliating things you can <laughs> experience in your entire fucking life. It's like when you're fourth grade and you like, you don't shake and you have a pee stain on your and your gray shorts, your gray pleated shorts. Yeah, it was embarrassing as fuck when it didn't work. So I don't know, I don't know how long I did that, but I remember I was literally like. I think at one point I took a pair of jeans. I went down to the fashion district. I'm like, can you have like, can you like stitch the Velcro? So you look like jeans, but you fucking, you know. 
And you have to wear them every show. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have a wardrobe that you know you have to rip so off at some point. Stupid. But that was my, you know, that was my foray, and that was how I started. Everything was like I had so many. I wasn't like a prop comic, but I did a lot of shit that like involved. You know, one of the only uh, one of the bits I I did that got sort of viral, not hugely viral, but back in the day was a bit about going to a gay gym and turning gay again. I did the shirt flip, and I'd pull out like a red thong strap. Oh, so you'd have to wear the red thong every show to yeah, pull up the strap. And when I first did, I would wear like an actual red thong, and I'd be like, Jesus Christ, my dick is getting chopped up. And then I just cut it, made like a strap, like cut the bottom and like put it like strap. So, and you have to wear it every day, like going, going to the open mic. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. So the worst is like you know you're in like Topeka and you're at a Walmart looking for thongs <laughs> for your show, and you're in your 30s. You're like, what the fuck have I done with my life? <laughs> I'm combing the kids section at fucking Target. <laughs> Looking for a red thong strap for a joke that works most of the time. What's goody hop, Brett the Verse? If you're loving this episode and all the other awesome content you get here for free, then you are going to love our brand new Hot Breath VIP list. All you got to do to join is go to hotbreathpodcast.com slash VIP, and you're going to get exclusive access to not just podcasts, but also other content like unseen interviews, merch drops, discounts, giveaways, and a lot more exciting things. And this is for everyone. If you're an aspiring or working comedian or just a comedy fan that loves getting those behind-the-scenes nuggets, you're going to love what we have here at the new Hot Breath VIP list. So go to the link in the description or join at hotbreathpodcast.com slash VIP, and I'll see you there. Speaking of comedy... I've got to shout out the network behind this show, Big Laugh Comedy. They have been killing it in the Texas comedy scene, producing some of the biggest shows live and also podcasts like the one you're watching here. And even bigger news, Big Laugh is hitting the road, bringing their best comedians and shows to a city like yours. So do yourself a favor, join their VIP newsletter, and get exclusive access to not just when they're coming to your city, but also even more fun content and even comedy news. So all you got to do is go to blcomedy.com slash VIP dash HB or hit the link in the description. We'll see you there. How early into your career was this? Like how? This is last year. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I did this. I mean, it was probably, I guess it was, it, it, that was my gay gym bit was my first big closer. I mean, you can see it. It's still, you can still, look, it's a solid joke. Don't get me wrong. It still works. But, um, and every once in a while, I swear to God, out of nowhere, I'll be, I'll be, you know, somewhere, and and I just, and people who I really respect, like, like people like Alonzo Bone, like you got to retire that joke, man. Don't be, don't, I'm like, okay, I don't respect anyone more than you, so I, I agree. <laughs> but um, I would uh, sometimes I'll go to show people, like, hey, dude, you got to do the fucking gay gym bit. It's my favorite bit. And I'm like, am I really going to fucking buy a red thong? Do this, <laughs> do this bit again. You should just get a tattoo of like a red strip of like right here on your hip. You can just pull up every time you need it. Yeah. Just a red Sharpie. There. That was like the guy last night who had the America tattoo. I'm like, I hope that wasn't for the bit. But, but so this is how far I went with that shit. So I was like, well, how can I go farther? So I used to, so I did this joke about in general jokes about gay shit. In the gym is just kind of hacky at this point, but I did a joke where I said, um, you know, the guy, the guy who's always, you know, like he puts on everything, like his shirt, his watch, his socks, his dick still hanging out. He's always like, um, I forgot what the joke was. 
some of my tattoos, I go, he said something like, something like, oh, oh, he goes, why do you have a Hanson tattoo? I forgot how I said the joke. So the punch, I was like, why do you have a Hanson tattoo? And I was like, dude, quit, stare, quit staring at my lower back. So that was kind of the punchline, uh-huh. right? About how gay is it to have a Hanson tattoo on your lower back? And sure enough, I would get people with a Sharpie to write Hanson on oh. my lower back. Gosh. Like with with like a stencil. I had like a Hanson stencil. No. Like you I You got I, requested that much you made a stencil? No, this is just me. This <laughs> is just me. <laughs> but it was like Hilarious. so I so it was like what what more can you do? So I'd do the thread thong and now turn around and I have Hanson in my lower back as like a as like a callback. And then again, it would it would it's one of those things, you know how it is in comedy, some stuff that that does well isn't the stuff that you should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? And and I always go back and forth on that because one level I'm like, yeah, but there's integrity and there's artistic integrity and your true voice. And sometimes like you're just a clown. Just go out there and make people laugh. Who the fuck cares how you do it? Hump a stool for 20 minutes straight. If that kills, do it. I feel like comics get really arrogant. <laughs> Like there's some sort of like academic intellectual about this shit. Well, you know, the, the com- like they have like a fucking brand. The way I do my cum, if I break the shut the fuck up. You're a fucking dancing clown. That's what we are. Quit trying to be fucking arrogant about your comedy. Like I love Dave Chappelle and I love that he has social justice. I love all these people. But at the same time, like when comics come to me, like I want to be more like Dave Chappelle. I'm like, that's great. He's fucking goat. Most people think. I go, he's also a clown. I mean, Dave Chappelle with his voice. And all, I mean, he's. He's goofy. Yeah. He does a lot of goofy shit. Lucy A.K. does a lot of goofy shit. Some of the best comics you respect the most, they're up there doing a lot of goofy shit. I mean, George Carlin's opener used to be like, you know, the hardest job in the world must be a police sketch artist in China, which, like, by today's standards is pretty fucking hacky, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but it worked. He thought it was funny. People thought it was funny. So I kind of have kind of given up on the whole idea of that there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Whatever you do, whatever gives you joy, and, and as long as you're making the audience laugh for the most part, it doesn't matter what you do. I don't care. I don't care if you're doing the hackiest physical props, Jeff Dunham, puppets, whatever the fuck it is. If it works, it works. Yeah. I've, I've given up on that whole idea of, of finding your voice in the right way or the wrong way. It's just, you know. I mean, a lot of stuff I used to do would really kill. I don't do anymore. Like, why well, be in a black crowd? Like, hey, you ever been with a white guy? You know what they say? Once you go white, your vagina stays tight, and it would fucking <gasps> murder an urban oh, room. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd find a white guy, the one white guy. Once you go pale, you never have to post bail. High five. Why would you high five that? You racist piece of shit. It would fucking. To this day, I yeah. could do, I could go to Chocolate Sunday, and I'll fucking race stuff. And like, I want to fucking. I'm white, like all that. Like <laughs> I had, and I, I I started doing it so much I had to get away from it because I was using it as a crutch because it. Murder. All I have to do is dab, and they're like, "That white boy crazy," <laughs> you know. But what I've learned is like that's one level of laughter. But then it's not like that's all they laugh at. They'll 100%. laugh at my marriage stuff. They'll of laugh course. at jokes 100%. about my dog. Like it's not like oh, I have to dance it up. It's like do what you do everywhere, and it'll translate. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That I agree with you for the most part. You know, I was supposed to do uh, Kevin Hart's. He has a Comedy Central show called Next Level. It was a half hour specials, and mm-hmm. I was tapped to do it, and I was getting ready to do it and they're like we need to you know there's someone who is on the fence about you now i'm like i already signed my contract you're already paying me motherfucker so what are you talking about we need you to do a half hour at comedy union um to prove that you're i was like and at that point i was so like in this thing like i'm gonna do what i want to do and at that time whatever it was like seven years ago or something i was like 
I wanted to talk about vegans. <laughs> and it was a lot, I mean, for lack of a better word, it was a lot of white shit, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to do the, the stuff I'd been doing at Chocolate Sundays. I didn't yeah. want to do all the crazy white boy. Let me make, let me do my impersonation of black, a drunk black woman. I didn't want to do that stuff. And, um, and so I ended up losing the gig because of it. Cause oh. I refused. I was like, I'm not going to fucking, you already pay me. If you don't like, fuck it. And I look back, I'm like, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what what mountain was I trying to die on? You know what I mean? So you didn't like, go to Comedy Union and perform your vegan stuff? No. I said, I oh. said, fuck it. I said, no. I said, no. You can, you can, if you want to hire me, you already hired me. I signed the paperwork. You got to pay me. So what do you, why are you making me do it and no one else do it? Mm-hmm. And I took a stand and they fucking replaced me, which is, it's fine. I mean, not like that, that show was not a very, great show but um but still it would have been a kevin hart sponsored comedy set comedy yeah, central special yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah there's lots of shitty mistakes like that you make in my life for like i'm not gonna like i just asked a comic to, to open for me in uh, hyenas in dallas i'm not gonna name his name ryan joseph and he said uh, <laughs> and the owner of the club was like okay can, can i he goes i know ryan's pretty can you just be be on the just for 15 minutes can you be clean clean as pg so i feel like if you've been doing comedy for more than three years you gotta have at least 50 minutes of clean it may not be the shit that you want to do but you should it may not be it. your best shit yeah but you gotta have something you about have like, some clean whole cooking. foods is weird something yep no man that's not who i am i'm a fucking <laughs> i'm like okay drive off in your little 84 celica bro so there's you know you, we gotta sell out in this business I mean, yeah, even if you're not a clean comic, having a clean set, there, you can just get booked more if you're clean. 100%. Like, you can just, that's just economics. You I mean, it is hard people. for me to be clean. I will say that. But it I'm saying you have me. some clean in there. Like, yeah, you can do a clean said, set if, if you need to. Said, I just got offered $1,000 to do, to do uh, a headlining clean set. But it was, like, the next day. Like, for me to really, like, put together, uh, like, 45 minutes clean uh-huh. right now... I need like a good solid fucking week. Oh man, I'll do it. Who books it? <laughs> I wish I'd known at the time. I would have totally offered it to you. I was like forty five minutes. I was. I'd also have to fly there. It was just a lot. It was like, ah, I don't know. If... Oh yeah, there's a lot that yeah goes. Because also, also my definition of clean may not be someone else's definition of clean. Yeah, everyone's is different. Because yeah. offensive and because offensive can be clean and clean can be offensive. You're not using it. You're not saying fuck or something like that. But what? But the content can be pretty harrowing. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know. What are some? It's just, I want to because you've been doing comedy. You said seventeen years. Uh, I started two thousand six. Did you start in New York or LA? In New York. You started in yeah. New York because I know you did Broadway. Yeah. So you started in New York and then moved to LA to like become an actor. Was that? <sighs> Hold my beer. Yeah. Um, no, it's <laughs> there's a long story. I, I owned an apartment in in Manhattan. And I had, uh, and I was doing Airbnb because, you know, everyone I would rent to, they were artists, they were always traveling. I did Airbnb and my co op um, wanted to uh, evict me. I, I, I owned this apartment because I was doing like, um, I did like breakdance videos in Spain. When I was yeah, because you grew up breakdancing, right? Yeah. Kid Flex and all and that. And they would make yeah. me like, they would, they, ga- they gave me like so much fuck. It's so, I look back, it was like my first year out of school. It was like, here's 80 grand for these commercials. Like, yeah, that's what it is, man. That's my life. That's a fucking actor. So I, you know, got this apartment when they were cheap in fucking Hell's Kitchen. And um, and then, of course, the whole neighbor gentrified. And now I have this, like, sweet apartment I didn't want to lose. 
but they had nothing to do with me. The people I was bringing in, and the and, you know, you know, all married couples and hot women are coming back to my place. And my my roommate, because it's like a twelve hundred square foot apartment, like two bedroom, two bath. My roommate was like an Italian painter named Giorgio, and he was always bringing these beautiful. <laughs> they hated us, <laughs> so the Airbnb was an excuse to evict me. And I hired a lawyer who ended up being like a, um, uh, a con artist. This guy named Kent Gubrud. Kent Gubrud. He was uh, he he just basically like stole money from me. He put a lien on my apartment, so he kind of like robbed me blind, and so I lost my place. Yeah, it was brutal. I lost like I mean, you shouldn't say numbers, but I lost about half a million. So I came to um, like everything I'd I'd worked for, and then I came to L.A. And Jamie Masada, who's my homie, you know, owner of Laugh Factory. Owner of Laugh Factory, yeah. But they got the little place here. <laughs> and it was like Buddy. this teeny, like 180 square foot. Like, it's like you shove, you shove a bed in there, and that's it. And I was like, this is where, this is like in LA where you think of the people who ends up with, like with a fucking needle in their arm. Like, I could have made it. Like, I'm like, that's where people go for that to happen. But I like, you know, I fixed it up. I made, I made a little yard and put it together. And I love that place. I still fucking live there. So that's kind of where I moved kind of to L.A. sort of out of necessity after losing my place. Um, but uh, so it wasn't ever like, I'm going to finally fucking go to the big leagues. because I've been, I've been <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I've been going back and forth. My parents, uh, they moved from Virginia out to Huntington Beach. So they're out there now. I have a brother in Santa Barbara. So it was kind of like uh, I my, the first club I passed, well, Gotham and, and Laugh Factory. Gotham, but but uh, yeah, so the Laugh Factory in New York was there from 2004. Six five to two thousand nine maybe. Mm-hmm. So that closed. So all this shit was happening. I was like, I guess it's time just to go to L.A. Um, you know, and I I kind of think it's the same thing. I mean, it, look, if you could be in New York and you're passed at the cellar, and you're passed at the stand, and you're just you have that you have that zhuzh to you, and you just go and do seven shows a night. I mean, there's no no better place to be as a comic. You know, mm-hmm. L.A. can't compete with that. I mean, L.A., you can do, like, improv, Laugh Factory, Comedy Store, and that's kind of, you know, that's for the most part it. Then you maybe go across the hill and do Ha Ha or Comedy Magic. But there's, but in New York, you can do, like, literally, like, seven shows. Yeah. And there's a real great community there. And I just never, you know, I've never been a hanger-outer, so I never really tapped. I've also never been, like, a roaster. Ah, that's not for me. All that aggression. Ah, yeah. I've never, I don't know if I'm a beta cuck. I don't know what it is, but I just... <laughs> I've never been into roasting. I did one roast one time. And this is why. Because remember back in the day, Jeff Ross would say, well, we roast who we love. That's bullshit. I know for a fact that's a bunch of hot garbage. That original roast crew of all those motherfuckers, they all hate each other now. Huh. They all do. Fucking, uh, well, Gerald was dead, but um, Lisa Lampanelli, Jeff Ross, who's the other Republican guy? Republican guy. Uh, fucking uh, New York. Uh, oh, Nick DiPaolo? Nick DiPaolo. Uh-huh. All those original guys. They fucking hate each other, man. Wow. Roasting is a, it's a, it's very dark energy. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, and and some people really suited to it, but like there was a, I see a lot of relationships. I remember when, uh, do you remember when Mike Lawrence and Ralphie May had their roast, roast battle? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I mean, Ralphie May never talked to Mike Lawrence again after that until the day he died. And I just think that's like... Man, this is that's intense energy, man. It's just not for me. Yeah, I was never like that. When I was, I was like, you know, captain of my soccer team and shit, and I just never wanted to 
fuck with the freshmen. Eh, it was, you know. So every time I see it, I just kind of I get like a little like, ugh. Yeah, I did. I used to, I I would do like roasts. I I won a few for like money, and then I I taped Comedy Central's roast battle when they came to Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, actually, against Dulce Sloan, who I started with um, oh. back in the Dizzy, and um, <laughs> they ended up they ended up editing me out. Like Dulce really? and I didn't make it. They had another tall white guy and black chick up in New York. So I don't, I guess for casting, you know, they do these shows and they to tell a story and we, they'd already had our characters, I guess. So they yeah. edited us out of the final cut, which I was so grateful for in hindsight. But it's like after I taped that, I was like, I mean, roasting was cool and like it worked, but it's like, it's not, it didn't really make me feel good. It, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't really like what it was like attracting and I was like, I don't want to be known for that. So I was grateful that Ended up getting edited out of it. Yeah. And edited out of a few things where I was like, this is it. And then <laughs> hindsight, you're like, oh, maybe I'm glad that that wasn't. Yeah, it, for sure. You know? For sure. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm also not great at it. There are people who have oh, like a yeah. real ability. Like Mike Lawrence mm-hmm. is a great. Like there are people who have a real knack for it. And yeah. I just, uh, I don't look for it. So it doesn't really. I did one roast with a girl who used to open for me. And like, again, after that, we just kind of fell out of touch coincidentally yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah if these are things you kind of learn like what are <sighs> what are things you wish you knew when you started that maybe would have made your journey easier or maybe well the funny thing is one of the things i learned early on and um i've always known this was that uh com- and we talked about this right before the podcast is comedy is really kind of about to hang mm. You know, so if you're a real gregarious, you can be in social situations. You can talk to people and hang out and drink and smoke. And just be the fun guy, like a, a like a Joe DeRosa guy is great. Hang, um, you, you, your career is 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 right there for you. You know, if you have any ability and any work ethic at all, and you're a great hang and you don't kill yourself with drugs and alcohol, like the business is right. It's wide open for you. You know, truly. Um, and I knew that going in, people say, "Hey, you got to hang out more. You got to do Facetime the concert. You did it." And I was, just, I just never, and and not because I was like, "I'm too." I just, I, I've always had like a little. I've never been very social. I don't know if I have social anxiety or what, but I just kind of in general, I'm just like, I want to be home watching ESPN with my dick in my hand right now. I don't want to be here. <laughs> Sounds very social, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, no, I, I've been social, but I just kind of like, I don't know. It was it was weird. I kind of, I, I, I maybe insecurity, I just wouldn't, hey, come, come to the cellar and hang out. You know, and there are people who sit there at those tables at the cellar, and they just get, like, lambasted by, like, Rich Voss and Patrice O'Neill for, like, years and years and years until they finally, like, earned their stripes. And that just was never appealing to me. Maybe it's like the white trash me. I was like, if someone, I'm gonna fucking knock someone out. I mean, literally, there's a part of me that's like, like, like that Waterboy switch in the Adam Sandler movie. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, to a degree, but then also shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? So, but there are people who are just great with that, and uh, I knew that going in, and it was never really. I think I had a belief that if I really worked hard as an actor and I was making as an actor, that it would logically flow into like more stand up, but. The worlds actually don't really intertwine that way. They don't really go from acting to stand up. You could be a massive actor and get in a stand up, and people are like, mm-hmm. they don't care. So you have to be, it's better to be a good stand up than to be a good actor. You can be a great stand up. I mean, you can be a great stand up like Andrew Schultz and get like acting roles, even though he can't act a lick. You know what I mean? I don't mean that in a bad way, but did you see his last movie? I mean, guy can't act. <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to be a good actor. <laughs> Just get in the bag. You know, but but 
you're great. He's an incredible stand-up. So it's mm-hmm. it, they will they will give you that license. You can you can be a great stand-up, and you can book more than an actor who spend their whole life studying acting because it's not that hard a discipline <laughs> to say lines. You know, in stand-up, you're you're in control of in terms of like like you said with acting there's auditions there's different variables but like if you get really good at stand-up i feel like at some point you'll build some sort of audience that you can sell tickets to or sell patreon to or something absolutely acting there's a lot more variables but stand-up i think that's why a lot of stand-ups still that become famous beyond it still do stand up because it is like the stability that like well no one can take this from me i've heard this over years and i think if you talk to most people who who have like split careers and stand-up and act like judah friedlander who is an incredible actor I mean, he's a great actor that guy if you've ever seen him in like american splendor and stuff um obviously 30 rock but you know you ask judah friedlander like if you had to choose one he would say not not question stand-up yeah i don't mm-hmm. think most it is weird because then if you look at the really like the top one percent you look at like eddie murphy steve martin some of the people who really jim carrey they just stopped doing stand-up Mm-hmm. And I also get that too, you know what I mean? Because now you're a sta- you're like one of the most famous people in the world, and you're doing stand up, and everyone's gonna be like, "You better show why you're the most famous person in the fucking world." And if and if your relationship with stand up was always kind of like a little gimmicky, I don't want to like speak ill of Steve Martin; he's a legend, but like a little gimmicky. Then like but your he gimmick started it. Yeah, he he went in the exact opposite direction. Comedy was very serious and very political. And he flipped it on its head 100%. and created this whole new style of comedy that now, yeah. in hindsight, may be yeah. gimmicky. But at the time, it had never been done before. But then when you're now that you're super famous, everyone wants to see you put a fucking fake arrow through your head and go like, I'm a wild and crazy. He was yeah. just like, I'd rather kill myself. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what he wrote in his island. book, right? Yeah. He was like, fuck that. I can't have people yelling out my... He was too fa- yeah, he got too famous. He got too and famous. Like, and I think mind. with a lot of those people, Eddie Murphy, you know, Jim Carrey, a lot of these guys, they just go, they get so famous that like, diminish you... D- when you're a stand-up, it's almost like you can't really be authentic anymore or something. I don't know what it is. But, like, really the people who hit the, the pinnacle of success in TV and film, they, they kind of drop out of comedy, which has always been an interesting thing to see. Yeah. I would, I would definitely like to do acting. I've done some, but I haven't. It's like one of those things, like, I'd like to do that. All right, what are you doing to do it? Well, nothing. <laughs> you know? <it's> like <laughs> Some sees me. But, but, but also, at the same time, like, that is how people get... A producer will see you at a show and be like, you're great, you act. Here's a part. I want you to audition for it. I mean, a lot of these, I, I see every day I see uh, shows on Netflix where comics are playing hmm. big roles. I'm like, I know they've never acted before, but they, but someone saw them and they, like what, like Beef, I think there was a bunch of comics in that role. Um, I, see, I see it all the time, and I get it. Okay. There are some directors, like Steven Soderbergh loves comics. He always hires comics who've never acted before in right. his stuff. So, um so I think that there is always opportunity. I mean, you know, Tony Hinchcliffe has gotten acting roles just from his comedy as well, and I don't know if he is any, anymore, but he was. So I think, um, I think that's a better path. So I, just keep doing stand up, and then it'll. I mean, you could right do person. like, I, I, yeah. If people say, "How would you get into it?" It's like fucking hell. I mean, I guess if you have an agent or a manager, just say, "Hey, can you send me out for something?" Mm-hmm. The good thing now is now that COVID happened. Everything's just self-tape. You don't have to go into a room with That's a bunch great. of other assholes that look like you. Mm-hmm. Like, they're giving you the hairy eyeball, like trying to mad dog you out hairy of the fucking eyeball. room. <laughs> like, this guy. Or like Shane Gillis does where he shoots his own sketches, puts them online, and they go viral. I so mean, like, Jesus Christ. That's a way to do it, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I've always... So the one advice I would give people 
<laughs> other than just hanging out, you know, uh-huh. just hang out with people, be fun, be nice to everybody, be nice to everybody. Amen. Everybody. Yes. I cannot tell you how many people I've worked with that are headliners, that, that big, big time people are. It just comes back to you, man. You know, it always mm-hmm. so be just be nice to the, to the door people, the, the sweet staff, the openers, the MC, because you never fucking not not just for selfish reasons, because but you just just should. It's a hard fucking life that we're even at the successful end of it. It's a fucking hard life. You set yourself up for a lot of like pain and disappointment, humiliation. A lot of times, you give up families, you give up the idea of a family, you give up your marriage, you give up a normal, regular life just for this crazy drug of chasing, you know, the stage. So I think that you just be nice to all the people, all the, you know, the people, when people come up to me and they're, I've been doing it for two years and I'm a fan of yours. I'm like, that's, that's fucking amazing. That's great. I'll go, well, you should have better taste, but Hey man, like, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for approaching me. So, um, yeah, that's be nice. And also just like learn how to edit, mm-hmm. like get, get proficient with, with final cut, get proficient with editing shit because, Particularly now, the game is is that, and I and I'm a little bit of a boomer, mm. but I feel that, um, and I could have learned that shit any step of the way. For the past ten years, I'm like, if only I knew how to edit. Well, you could have, I could have learned. I never did. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah, I know. Even now, I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> too late. <laughs> I'll be six. Like I should have started when I was forty five. <laughs> anyway, um, so I think mm. that you should definitely learn a modicum of editing skills because the truth is, yeah. ABC, NBC, they're all studios. But you know what else is a studio? Fucking YouTube is a studio. It's your own studio. You can make anything with a fucking iPhone. You can make, I mean, Joey Medina, me and Joey Medina and Eric Blake, we made this little short film called Beautiful Violence. It's won like 170 awards in the short film. I mean, I don't think it's that good, but it won all these awards. <laughs> I've won like 15 acting awards. For, which again, not a big deal, but like it says in my MD, he's won 15 acting awards. So yeah. it's something. So I just think that, and that was just like iPhones and an alley one night. We shot this thing out. So there's so much opportunity to create work. If you're a creator and you have a creative mind, there's so much fucking opportunity out there for very little money. And most people just, they just already count themselves out before they even start. Like, oh, how do you do it? Well, you're, this is how you do it. You have a phone and you have a brain. That's all you need. That's all you need. You can create anything. You can just sit there, turn the phone on. I remember I was talking to David Arnold, rest in peace, amazing oh, man. Dude. You know, he would just, and I, I interviewed him on my podcast about, um, he was just starting to break on yes. his, on, from Facebook, of all places. Yeah. And he was like, and he would just have the camera. So I was like, you know, his something my wife does. And he, she would go in, it'd be about the fucking dishwasher, whatever the fuck it was. Just simple, mundane, everyday stuff of a married man. And it was just building, building, building. And it fucking like blew the fuck up. And I asked him, I said, he goes, you know, I was, and he was, at the time he started doing, he was like fifty. You know, mm-hmm. he goes, "Look, man." He goes, "I was seeing these young kids out there posting these videos," and he goes, "I can do a minute of funny a day. I can do that. I can do something one minute of funny a day. I can do that. That's what all. That's all it took for him to just start going there and talking about the stuff in his life, and he became a massive fucking star. I mean, you can say overnight success, but he'd been doing it for fucking twenty five years. Yes." Um, <clears throat> Anyway, yeah, so there, the opportunity is right there on your fucking phone. We all have iPhones. If you have a Samsung, you should probably kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no. but we all have even Samsung. You can just, yeah, you can make it, learn some editing skills, you watch YouTube videos, learn the shit, be a good hang, be nice to, to everyone, and it's right there. 
I'm the ghost of Christmas feature. I didn't do any of that shit. Ghost but if Christmas you do it, <laughs> but if you do it, kids, <laughs> and actually start, I think a lot of times, and I think people will even listen to this show a lot of the times and learn a lot of things and then never like actually go do them type deal. 100%. And like it's, you're learning and learning. At some point, you have to execute. And that's when you're, it's like writing all day. You never know till you get on that stage. So Absolutely. You, you've got to actually do it. And that's when you're going to start to see Oh, it. yeah. In terms of stand up, people are like, what, what, what advice do you have about stand up? And this is the only thing I say is like, well, the number one thing is get on stage. You got to. Well, I've been writing jokes for two years. That's too long. Get on stage. You gotta get on stage. Give yourself a de- if I And I literally tell people, I go, if you're not on stage, it was like, it's June. If you're on June by July 15th, like, don't talk to me again. Don't keep asking me advice. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Because people will be like for years asking me advice on shit. And I'll be like, if you're not on stage by this time, like, don't, don't talk to me. Because the truth is, no matter what you do, first of all, that doesn't mean just because you get on stage doesn't mean you're now a stand up and that's gonna be your whole fucking life. A lot of people, they get on stage, they scratch that itch, and they're like, that was awesome. Life for me, because it's really about committing to a lifestyle more than it is committing to a career. Yep. So I, uh, but I think it's great for everyone, anyone on the fucking planet to get on stage because you, it, it'll always come in handy. There's always going to be a wedding where you have to bring a speech. There's always going to be some sort of corporate event you can maybe do a funeral. Who the fuck knows? But there's always an opportunity for you to be on stage with prepared words and talk to people in your life. Yep. So stand up will help that quite a bit for everyone, you know. Yeah. Well, Bill, you've helped us today, <laughs> and I appreciate your time. I mean, where can people follow you, or if people hear this and feel inspired and want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Uh, just Instagram at Bill Dawes, B I L B I L L D A W E S. Yeah. And yeah, please, please check out stuff I'm on. You can see Mo. I'll be back for season two of Mo on Netflix. Great. Um, and then uh, Alaska Daily. Watch that first season of Alaska Daily. And I'll be in the new Taylor Sheridan series, Bass Reeves, coming out in the fall. This is why I got this awful goatee. <laughs> to support my acting work, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, you have a podcast as well. Oh, you have a podcast called The After Laugh. I didn't want to. Yeah, um, yeah and, and next time you're in L.A., please, let's do it. I'll def- yeah, I'll definitely hit you up. Okay, cool, man. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Joel. Bill Dawes, thanks for being on Hot Breath. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.